live long and prosper. I'm going to the Toshi station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. What a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Kermit. Frog here. ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 141 of a play on nerds. It's a very special episode. Just <laughs> like every episode. Them are very special episodes. I'm one of the co hosts, Steve. This other guy is Jarman. Good to see you guys. Or here. And we are going to co host living hell out of this. And Jarman, what are we talking about this week? This week, we're talking about Batman. Because Batman's coming out, but not the Batman you think. Not the Batman. The movie coming this is like out. The seventh Batman <laughs> since I've been alive. Yeah. So we're talking about Just came out with a movie. Batman the movie from nineteen sixty six. That's right. Adam West himself. Burt Ward. <laughs> punching bad guys and solving riddles that aren't really riddles. Uh and it's gonna be a good time. But we figured with the new Batman coming out, we needed to revisit the history. Right. Of of the Batman himself. And the one in 66 wasn't even the first Batman movie. There was one. It was in the 40s, you said, I think. Yeah, but we're pretty sure we couldn't find it. So the hell with that. I'm sure we could find it somewhere. But man, that, that'll be our next one. The next uh, iteration of Batman, I'm sure when we're in our mid 40s, when they have a new Batman. Uh, yeah. We'll just talk about that one. <laughs> or somehow it's Christian Bale again. And I'm not sure how that would happen. But Yeah, like in de-aging CGI for some reason. Ugh. That might happen. And get Michael Caine in there. <laughs> what I'm, do we do when we fall down, Mister Bruce? <laughs> we get back up again. We get back up again. My name is Michael Kai. Michael Kai. Before we get into the main segment, Jarman, what have you been up to since last we talked? I believe since our last uh, Apon episode, I uh, had my birthday, which is pretty cool. Happy birthday! Thank you. And some celebrating with the girlfriend, and we did a, a game night here at the house. Ooh. I uh, just did a lot of fun things throughout my birthday month, so that was enjoyable. And because the girlfriend and I would like to make a big deal out of the birthday month, just because it's fun. Why not? Nice. I'm going to turn to my wife and ask real quick, Anna, did we send German his birthday card? <laughs> no, we didn't. We have a birthday <laughs> card coming for you. It's all picked out and sitting on a shelf. Oh, it was really sweet because your wife actually texted me about that and said it was coming soon. So I was like, don't worry about Definitely it. Definitely soon. <laughs> That's two nights of you guys. <laughs> but yeah, just doing that and uh been going to trivia every week because I'm a nerd and uh, nice. it's just me and my girlfriend. We are a team of our own and we do pretty well. We got us um third place one time, second place another time. We get like 20, 30 bucks for our next time we arrive. So we you know, we're making some money off this deal. Very nice. You're like grifters. <laughs> exactly. And also I'm preparing to play uh the uh, Witchlight Carnival. What's the top proper name of the campaign? Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Right. For D&D, I'm actually starting to read the book the, to run a campaign of my own of that. So that's kind of been what I'm up to in prepping that. So it's exciting. Yeah. So- We've had some transitions in my D&D life. Uh, so I play in a game Tuesday, and then I play in a game, a different game every other Sunday, and then I run a game on the alternate Sundays. So run much D&D. DM. I mean, not really. Two times a week. It's not. It's not an incredible amount. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the Sunday game that I play in is not turning out super enjoyable. 
uh, and uh, me and a few other people have basically been commiserating that none of us are really enjoying it that much. Happens sometimes. Uh, it happens sometimes. And so uh, my buddy dropped out and he's looking for an exit. He's not like unceremoniously dropping out, but he's like, you need to kill me or get rid of me as soon as possible. <laughs> And then following him is someone else who I invited to the game who also is dropping out. Oh, no. And now it's the sort of thing where I'm like, well, if I drop out, the game will basically die. (laughs) So I'm weighing that out. I'm deciding. But the DM is just, it's one of those things where I think it's a mix between lack of preparation and then everything just feels random. He does a lot of random encounter sort of stuff to the point where like nothing feels like it means anything. Hmm. Or to the point where we can't determine what is random and what's actually stuff in the story we need to care about. What's important, yeah. Right. I'm all for random encounters at times, but I think that they should introduce a character. They should be a chance for one of your players to show off or -hmm. really, you know, show off their skill set. But for them to just be like, uh, and you run into 46 hags. For no reason. For no reason. (laughs) You fight them. Good job. All right. You guys keep going. It meant nothing. It meant nothing. That and the combats in this campaign are a joke. <laughs> I understand making combats difficult or making combat cinematic, like easier but cinematic, and th- this is neither of those things. Uh, but then the guy who dropped out is actually rejoining the other Sunday game that I DM for. Ah, there you go. So you so know that's it wasn't, it wasn't just D&D, it was you, yeah. His, yeah, his comment was, I'm going to be so glad to be back in a campaign with a good DM. Oh, <laughs> I was like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, bud. <laughs> I, I like to think I'm pretty good. It sounds like you are. I got the tools for it. All My theater degree is finally paying off. Exactly. It's all improv and, you know, acting skills. How's your prep going for Wild Beyond the Witchlight? Just starting, really. So I'm still in, like, the intro chapter because I'm taking notes. I want to do this, like, uh, the right way. So... So, I mean, my warning to you mm-hmm. is don't prep too much. Not prepping too much, just being very aware of all of the, the world. So that way I can, I can just kind of move around and not make anything in concrete. But just if they have a, if they go somewhere, I want to just be able to make something up on the fly based on my good knowledge of the setting. That's all. Right. Uh, something I'm gonna, I'll recommend to you, and this isn't even Radical Recommends, uh, but it's uh, from Sly Flourish, Return of the Lazy DM. Mm-hmm. And he, he talks about a lot of good principles for, for DMing and trying to keep your preps the sink. And it's not about being lazy. It's about not over prepping and really prepping what's important. Right. Uh, and if you have a chance to check it out, a return of the lazy DM. And he has his chapter two of the book is like a checklist to go through to prep your next session. And it's really helped me sort of concentrate and not worry too much about other stuff. Or, and not get too hung up on big picture. Yeah, I'll take that out. Because I, I want to be able to be fluid and free with whatever the players want to do to have fun. And just ha- be able to be prepared to have good answers for things. And the thing is, I'm, I'm a little intimidated because two of my players are I've been DMing for you know decades at this point. And they know all the D&D lore. And I don't know all that stuff. So I just want to be a little prepared. I don't need to know the exact things they do. I can change it up. If They can't get pissed at me if I change the lore a little bit because it's my campaign. Um, but at the same oh, time, yeah. I, I, I want to be a little knowledgeable. That's I have a player in my in my group there. She's like, so where, when in the timeline is this? Blah, blah, blah. And I go, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you're, you're in Icewind Dale. I don't know what you want to tell me. But is this in the, the era of blank? And I go, I don't 
it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> for th- for this campaign, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard for some people to get them turns with. It so. is, especially people that have invested time into to looking at They've it. Read but the luckily, books there's and not a ton in official canon about the Feywild, at least not in 5e. So you're on pretty equal footing. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> Wild Beyond the Witchlight is like really the first full Fey adventure. Yeah, it's exciting. And there's so many new, new races and fun things to do, and it's going to be interesting. Are you going to let anybody play uh, like a pixie or a sprite? They better. Very? All right. <laughs> Just know flying is going to ruin your game. Just be aware. <laughs> it is going to ruin your game. There's a strange mist that doesn't let you fly above uh, 10 feet. <laughs> Or you just institute that, like, you know, the fairy has a broken wing, and then part of the adventure is them repairing it or finding someone to heal it. That's there how you, you do character advancement. Yeah. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah, see? There you go. Just cripple them. <laughs> Make them pay for their choices. <laughs> so does that mean it's time for some nerdy news? I guess so. All right. It's time for Nerdy News. So just a little bit of nerdy news this week. Uh, we had something come out, I think just today, that uh, as, as we're recording this, and it is coming out tomorrow, this episode, so it is brand new news. Uh, Disney Plus is adding all of the old Marvel TV shows to its streaming services, and not old old, but the ones that we are known in the last 10 years, and this includes Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Defenders, and even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., now, just a little while ago, uh, people were up in arms because Netflix was removing them and there was no news announcement about them going anywhere else. So people were just thinking that maybe Disney Plus was just angry with uh, Disney. They want to take away the rights from or uh, Disney was angry with Netflix and wanted to pull the rights. They couldn't use it anymore, but not put them anywhere else. And cause mm-hmm. they, they weren't thinking they were canon or something. But now people are thinking maybe they will be canon uh, with MCU which actually works really well for all the Netflix series. But for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's a little weirder. I don't know if you watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., did you? I watched, I think, the first season. Okay. And it just got too thick. Well, the first season <laughs> played very well with the MCU canon. And then it, from there, it just got weirder and weirder and weirder that it's going to be hard to reconcile the things yeah, that Yeah, I happened. remember the first season was like in between major MCU events. Exactly. So it was like they were cleaning up after the Battle of New York, maybe. or so You know, those sort of things. It was timed perfectly with that. Um, but then it got completely in its own basic, it should be in a different universe entirely, it seems, which is fine now through the multiverse. So maybe that's what will pull these things in. Um, but we have now seen um, spoilers for some things. But we've seen, spoilers. <laughs> we've seen Daredevil um, in, oh wait, was this? Spoilers? spoilers. Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> we yeah, saw, a, hate that. what's his face, Daredevil um, in the most uh, recent Spider-Man movie, in a little cameo. Yep. And we've seen... Um, Kingpin, uh, the same guy playing Kingpin from Daredevil in the most recent Hawkeye. Hawkeye series. People are arguing it's a different one because this Kingpin had like somewhat seemingly like superpowers in the Hawkeye show. And they didn't explain that, but he could like break through walls and take bullets and stuff and pull a car off of the a door off an entire car. So like we're not sure if it's the same guy, but it's played- here's the thing, though. Now that we're in a world where variants exist, it doesn't matter anymore. It really doesn't. That's the brilliance of what the MCU has done by introducing the multiverse is that it literally doesn't matter. They can take all these characters that you just mentioned, take the ones they like and replace the others with other actors. And it doesn't matter. That's true. It's just a different variant. (laughs) Um, But I think 
I, I argued with someone about this a long time ago when the the Fox uh, when the Disney acquisition of, of Marvel happened, and uh, everyone was like, "Well, they're they're just going to wipe all these characters," and I go, "No, they're going to do what they do. Disney does with everything. They're going to pull out the things that make money, right, <laughs> and then they're going to trash the rest." And that's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. They're going to go in. They're going to take Charlie Cox out of Daredevil. I bet you. I bet you Jessica Jones. Though I'm not sure how well her type of character plays in the MCU. And I don't know if how successful it was. I mean, it was critically very well acclaimed, but it didn't. I don't know how much viewers it got. Um, uh, Luke Cage, I think, is a shoe in just because the MCU needs more diversity. They really do. He's an established character, and his series was really very good. It wasn't. Overall. He's a badass actor and character, so I mean, that would be a fantastic addition. So, I, basically, I'm okay with everything except for Iron Fist. <laughs> I think that's what it comes down to. That's the way most people felt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, the million dollar question, though do you think we're going to get Agent Coulson back? Well, I mean, he is back in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so, I mean, that's the whole point, is he's, I don't know. I mean, the whole re- right. the show, the whole reason he's never revealed himself to the Avengers that he was alive again was that he was the inspiration for them to get together and, and work together, and so he doesn't want right. to show them that he's alive because it'll take away the meaning of their avenging. And they resurrect him through some sort of weird technology or something. It was, it was, that, that was a that weird was the, part of, of yeah, season one. It was odd, and that's kind of played throughout the whole series. It's 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 interesting, but it, I liked I liked um, Agents of Shield. It was good. All right, new crackpot fan theory. All right, all right. So you've seen the the, the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness trailer. Mm-hmm. All right, so they've got the council. Yes. That he walks in on all those chairs, Agent Coulson, for some reason, on whatever the hell that council is. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> you There's do a he- lot of contention right now of who it is. Because you do hear Patrick there. Stewart's voice implying that it's Professor yes. Xavier. Yeah. Patrick Stewart. Here, so let, let's just get into it right now. Why not? Yeah. It's going to be Patrick Stewart. It's going to be a Kang variant. Yeah, probably. Uh, Mordo, played by Shreed Elijah Four. Uh, One of the chairs will be empty for the the Doctor Strange that we see get like torn apart and injured hmm. in the trailer. None of this is spoilers if you've seen the trailer. Oh yeah, yeah. And then we got three spots left. So the question is, who's in those three spots? Well, we do have the comic books, which have the Illuminati is what they think that is. It's like the people who become the overseers of the universe, kind of thing. Um, True, but the then it would be Black Panther. Now, mind you, if they were going to recast Chadwick Boseman, maybe this is the perfect opportunity. Oh, was Black Panther part of the Illuminati? For a while. There's been a bunch of characters that have rotated in and out. Black Panther, uh, Reed Richards, Fantastic Four. This mm. would be a great opportunity to introduce, I think it's John Krasinski. Oh, yeah. If I remember correctly. Uh, if they wanted to retrust Chadwick Boseman, this would be a great opportunity since it can be a multiverse sort of thing. True. Uh, and then Agent Coulson on there for some reason. I think he'd be a perfect fit. Because <laughs> why not? Because why not? That's exactly right. And Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, <laughs> but not as the Hulk, just, just as Lou Ferrigno. Hello, guys. <laughs> actually, I can't impersonate his accent because it's not an accent. He's actually hearing impaired. That's why he sounds that way. And I, I, I don't mean to. Well, do I that. think he additionally has an accent, doesn't he? Isn't he Italian? I think he is. So Let's I see Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> but I think his his uh, speech got worse over time because his hearing got worse, and so he was less and less able to hear how he sounds when he speaks. Um, but he's his perfect. last name Ferrigno is from an Italian wine grape variety. Oh, ah, there you go. No, he's American. Oh, okay. Born so in that, Brooklyn. 
So that entire accident is just because of his speech is um hearing loss. Okay. Some reason I thought he was also from like Austria or somewhere. Yeah, I just assumed because of he was the same time as Schwarzenegger he came around. So that's probably that's probably why. And he sounded unusual, so I thought figured it was a foreign accent. But yeah, it's just. Uh, but apparently he's a great guy. He goes to all the different conventions and people love him. So good for him. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, he should be on the Illuminati. It's actually Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, just Lou Ferrigno as Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> Oh, that'd be amazing. But anyways. I think it takes us to our main segment where we're going to talk about Batman, the movie from 1966. (laughs) All right. So let's do a relatively quick summary of the film we watched, this over-the-top insane thing. We'll talk about some likes and dislikes. Some fun trivia, and man, this thing is a lot to swallow. And more power to you for doing the summary of this, Steve. Because I man, tried. Man. I tried to make it succinct, and there were just a lot of weird stuff that I had to kind of cover. It's <laughs> <That's> so weird. <laughs> All right, Batman and Robin. They hear there's a distress signal at sea. They hop in the Batcopter, and they go, and it's a scientist boat. Uh, when they go down to investigate, Batman gets attacked by a shark, <laughs> who they get rid of with shark repellent spray. And it then explodes. <laughs> the shark explodes, yes. There's a press conference about this event, and they start putting together asinine clues that just show that the Joker, the Riddler, the Penguin, and Catwoman are all working together. But it's the most insane series of mental gymnastics to get there. It's just crazy. I'm going to be laughing through this whole synopsis because it's so stupid. <laughs> then we cut over to the villains who have kidnapped the scientist from his boat, but he doesn't know because they're like putting on a show that he's still on the boat. Commodore Schmidlap. And he has some invention that I don't think we ever... Or does he, he has the dehydration thing. Okay, yeah, that was, but we don't see it until like four fifths of the way through the movie. They don't explain why really he has it. It's just, it's, anyways. I'll, Batman and Robin go to investigate the missing boat, only to realize it was a hologram. They go to investigate a buoy and get stuck with magnets. Uh, suddenly, all the bad guys are there shooting torpedoes at them <laughs> from a submarine they have, uh, and Batman's able to deflect them with some sort of magic device thing. And then the last one supposedly hits them. And the explanation is that a porpoise sacrificed itself, throwing itself in front of the torpedo to save them. How they kept a straight face. Explain that. I don't know. It's okay, Robin. A porpoise, that poor creature, just jumped right in front of that missile the last minute. (laughs) The noble porpoise. Noble porpoise. Uh, We then get to the reveal that the four villains, their big plan is they're going to target the not UN. I don't know why they couldn't call the UN. That was weird. And take over the world. They plan to kidnap a millionaire and use them as bait to to capture Batman. And then they accidentally decide they're going to capture Bruce Wayne, not knowing that he is Batman. So Catman puts up, Catwoman puts on a disguise and goes and lures Bruce Wayne and uses her feminine wiles. As a Russian, uh, she's like cap- a Russian they, diplomat. She's super sexy, and they go on a they date. They capture Bruce Wayne. Yep. They take him back to their hideout. Bruce Wayne manages to break free and escape basically with no problem at all. The villagers high out and then does this epic dive into the water. Finally, we get a glimpse of the villain's real plan. They stole the total dehydrator from the scientists that can turn people into dust. And uh, Batman and Robin then go back to the newly discovered villain's hideout as Batman and Robin. Now that Bruce Wayne's escaped only to find it abandoned and that a bomb's been left. And Batman has to 
do four minutes of trying to get rid of this bomb. And this, I didn't know the popular meme comes from of Batman running with a giant bomb over his head. That's like a really funny thing that's been around for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea it was from this movie. <laughs> so then the penguin, disguised as a ship's captain, shows up and claims that he's the Commodore. And <laughs> Batman and Robin see right through it and take him back to the Batcave. <laughs> uh, but guess what? This was all part of the bad guy's plan. Because he's got dehydrated thugs on him. <laughs> so he he wants to rehydrate them so they'll reappear as five thugs that are going to take out Batman and Robin, apparently. Uh, it, yes. So then after <laughs> those thugs just evaporate for science reasons, I guess, <laughs> they take the Joker back out, who knocks them out with crazy gas, only to reveal that they have crazy gas blockers. And they're letting the penguin take the car so they can track him. So then they hop in another vehicle. We're now on our third vehicle. The, <laughs> the bat cycle. The bat cycle, which looks so dangerous for Robin specifically. Uh, and they uh, and they take that to the bat copter and fly the bat copter again, uh, which is then, I guess, hit by a missile. And they crash into foam rider, <laughs> into foam rubber. A foam rubber uh, factory just happens to be below or, them. Uh, then there's a clue skywritten, which then leads them to the not UN <laughs> through once again, more asinine mental gymnastics. <laughs> Batman and Robin run across town as the villains break into not UN and more crazy knockout gas happens. Uh, they break in on many world representatives arguing about world affairs and the villains reduce them to piles of dust. Batman and Robin arrive, but are unable to apprehend the villains who make it back to their submarine. Somehow Batman and Robin make chase in their boat. So we're now on yet another vehicle. So I guess that's four vehicles Four four vehicles, (laughs) but are bombarded with missiles that they dodge. Then torpedoes are fired, but then they deploy bat charges to stop them. Yeah. The villains try to dive, but Batman begins circling around them while Robin lines up a shot with some sort of laser beam that shoots rainbow explosions. <laughs> <laughs> this disables the sub, which then has to surface Batman and Robin go onto the sub and fight the villains and their men, knocking them all into the water They make short work of them, recover the dehydrated diplomats and head back to the bat cave to do some hard hitting science. For some reason, they have to return the diplomats to the UN building. <laughs> no, no explanation why they can't do this in a lab setting. To attempt to rehydrate them with like a Mr. Coffee, basically, is what it looks like. (laughs) It takes 10 minutes, too. They only realize the diplomats, when they come back, have been mixed together and combined. And Batman and Robin revel in the fact that they may have done one of the greatest things in the history of humanity and then discreetly go out the window. (laughs) (laughs) For no reason. That is the end of the movie. The end credits roll over them climbing down the side of a building for no reason. They could have just walked out the front door. Um, man, this movie was a lot. It all was. At once. I will say it was batshit <laughs> crazy. Batshit. <laughs> all right, let's let's talk about maybe some things we liked. Oh my god, uh, I loved that everything was labeled in the bat cave. <laughs> like everything had a huge plaque on it that said what it was. Huge letters, yes. Very organized. They're looking at the picture, and he's like, look through here, Robin. And they look, and the thing is labeled magnifying glass. (laughs) (laughs) The navigation computer's over there, Robin. Goes over there, giant words, navigation computer. (laughs) And Robin just goes over and just smashes buttons with his hand. (laughs) It's like he wasn't even trying. He was like, 
Once again, I don't know enough about the original show to know if this was just very self-aware. It feels like it knew it was very self-aware. There are things they were saying that were funny for adults, not for kids, because it was like them making fun of the movie that they're in. You're right. It was it was odd. Uh, the porpoise saving the day. <laughs> was just insane. And they did that same bit twice. It was like, how did Batman possibly get out of that? Oh, a porpoise threw itself in the front of the torpedo. How did you get away from that bomb? Oh, I threw it and then got behind these metal pipes. <laughs> yes. Or I love the very beginning of the movie. This kind of same self-aware thing. The instant costume change lever. <laughs> as they're going oh, down the pole, he hits the lever and then instantly changes their costumes as they're going down. They don't explain how. It just happens. Just just forget about it. Uh, the, the scene where them and Commissioner Gordon and the Irish police officer are police putting together the clues is just insane. They're like, the crime happened at sea. C, C for Catwoman. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Hold on. Hold on a second. Oh, my God. And that thing was pulling my leg. The jokester. The, <laughs> the They want to get rid of her. Rid her. Riddler. <laughs> yeah, it was just, what is happening? What is going on? Um, and there was one, like, riddle later on. He's like, now, Robin, what do you think this means? He's like, Oh, it has to mean a dancing pony. And he's like, you're right. That's the only thing it could mean. <laughs> like, And he says it in that way, too. It's like, what? It's just... uh, when they're in the bad guy's base, the guy getting launched out of the window and then exploding. I laughed so hard. <laughs> he died. That guy's dead. He died. He just went flying out the window at 40 miles per hour and then blew up. This is a children's movie. And that man just exploded. Uh, and the, and I know I, I made fun of it a little bit, but the, the two and a half minutes where he's running, trying to get rid of that bomb is pure comic genius. It really is. Like the marching band coming through and he has to skirt around them and goes to throw it. And there's a guy and he finally finds a spot and goes through it, but there's ducks and he doesn't want to kill the ducks. <laughs> and then he goes uh, like, they finally throw it somewhere else. And there's like a couple making out in a boat and he's like, why has it become so hard to get rid of a bomb? <laughs> and he can't find anywhere. But... And then I love that Robin's like, I can't believe you didn't you didn't take out those people at the bar. And I think the line was, they may be drinkers, but they're still human beings. Yes, they rile against drinking quite a bit, which is very ironic because uh, Burt Ward and Adam West were heavy party drinkers <laughs> back uh, in that day. And then one of my favorite bits in the entire film was when the penguin goes to not UN. And he does his, um, he twirls his umbrella and knockout gas comes out, but it like flies across the room and all the guards fall and the two guards fall into each other Mm -hmm. and he like goes under them and then pushes them back. Like that was just like, once again, pure physical comedy genius. Oh yeah. I think in a lot of the comedy that when this was very airplane esque, just very over the top and silly um, to where you have to know they're doing it on purpose. They're not taking themselves too seriously. And as far as things I like too would be just the performances of all the villains, actually, because I think Burt Ward and Adam West were really over the top and ridiculously cheesy. But then the villains were actually just like really well acted, I thought, like even though they are chewing the scenery, they're ridiculous, but they're definitely in these characters and they felt more like comic book characters and just not like terrible actors. You know what I mean? Does that make right. any sense? Because like Burt Ward in particular was real bad. <laughs> like he's just... For Robin, um, he was well, just... His, his exclamations were just insane <laughs> the entire time. Poseidon's ghost, Batman, like that kind of stuff. It was insane. But like at least like Burgess Meredith as the Penguin and the, like uh, the guy playing the Riddler and, and 
Cesar Romaro and it was Lee Merriweather, I think, who, who was doing Catwoman this time around. She, they just were all like, they seemed like better actors who were chewing the scenery as opposed to bad actors, Adam West and Burt Ward chewing the scenery, which I was like, Ugh. so that's why I liked, I liked the villain scenes. It was a lot in one little space because they were all crammed in like the summary most of the time. And there's like way too many people in one room, <laughs> but, but it just, it worked out in the, all the pirates. Why were there pirates? <laughs> right. And I love that. Like everything of the penguins was like penguin or bird themed. Yeah. Including like the communications devices. <laughs> for no and the periscope and the the submarine itself and they were all making like bird jokes to him and cat jokes to catwoman and the catwoman actually had a real cat for the majority of the movie including a scene where like batman throws it into a boat and it's a real cat the whole time <laughs> he takes care of that cat otherwise though he does not hurt that cat that's true that cat seems he's to be like fine. fighting other guys and he's like holding it and cradling it <laughs> it was impressive um all right, maybe some things I disliked. Um, I mean, the pacing had some issues in that it was so fast-paced and so mile a minute, and then when he became Bruce Wayne, the entire movie stopped. Came to a slow. The him, the him being seduced by Catwoman in disguise was too long, was way way too long and i think if you read some of the trivia that uh i'll go into later on they part of the deal of him doing this movie was that they would give him some more bruce wayne time because he, he was upset about the first season that they'd already filmed of the show he didn't get enough time without that stupid mask on and he was like i want more bruce wayne time so they gave him this big long weird scene with him going on a date with this girl and falling in love with her um catwoman in disguise and yeah you're right but the problem was this whole movie was like a half hour too long even though it was only an hour and 44 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it should have been like a two-part episode. Because <laughs> it was just, a lot of the scenes were very repetitive. Um, and that made them, even though things were constantly moving, I was still being like, okay, can we move on to the next scene? I know what's going to happen here. They're riding the boat this place. Now they're riding the boat that place. They're riding the plane that place. It's like there wasn't a lot going on. <laughs> uh, and then the only other thing that upset me was when they were doing science back at the Batcave, Adam West didn't cover his nose with his medical I did mask. see that. I was like, why is his nose like, not covered? And one thing I've told my daughter, Joyce, if it's not over your nose, it doesn't count. That's right. We all know that now. And I love how they're wearing their lab coats over their costumes. Even though there's no one else in the back. No one else is there. There's no reason for them to still be in costume. (laughs) It was ridiculous. (laughs) Um, Also, why were both uh, Commissioner Gordon and his police officer like both like Irish? I don't know. I think they're probably just playing on the like Boston or Chicago police officer trope. Like, oh, Officer O'Malley. That's true. <laughs> I think that's what they were going for. But you're right. It was just everyone. I also enjoy that the stunt drivers, every time you saw the, the people who were actually flying the plane or the boats, were always much more muscular than Adam West and Burt Ward. <laughs> so like the f- camera would be really far away. And you see the guys in the costume in the boat, like act- actually driving the boat. And they're really buff stunt men. <laughs> and then it zooms in closer and it's like, oh, hello, I'm riding this boat. And it really oh. wasn't. <laughs> and apparently it's a commentary on government because when he calls like the admiral of the federal government about what's going on, they're like playing board games. And he's a total doofus. And he sold the, the, pre- the pre-nuclear submarine to um, the penguin without knowing it. So basically was or, saying or like the, with only being provided a name in a PO box. Yeah. So basically commenting that the government is just, you know, inept um, or something along those lines. And, but one thing I could not stand 
throughout the movie was the penguin's laugh was so annoying that I just didn't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> it's like, stop, Burgess Meredith, please. Oh, man. Um, so just a lot of movie to take in. Very self-aware. I think worth, worth a watch. If yeah, you've never it, seen it. You've folks, never seen anything like this before. <laughs> if it's if you it's had just, to when you were it's a kid. A big, it's just a big superhero film that I haven't seen anything like ever. Maybe very broad, very weird, and very just. Uh, if I did drugs, it would be probably better, but I don't. So, <laughs> all right. So before we get on to trivia, Jarman, did you recognize the guy who played the Riddler? He looked from a Star Trek episode, right? Maybe. What he- I knew him from. And this is a funny kind of like, I guess, connection is he was in Meteor Man. <gasps> what? One of the reviews, he played like the big, bad, evil white guy. Really? Like the big mob boss guy. Oh, I'm totally was looking Frank, this up It was now. Frank Gorshin. But when I looked him up, I was like, why do I know this guy? I know Burgess Meredith. Yeah. But why do I know Come Frank on, Gorshin? And that is why. Wow. Because he was in Meteor Man, one of our other biggest episodes. That's crazy. Robert Gorshin. Mm-hmm. I don't see him on here. There he is, Frank Gorshin. Frank Gorshin. Yeah. Well, check him out. I think he was on some check kind of Star Trek episode, but probably a lot of people were. So Maybe. He was probably on The Love Boat, too. The Love Boat. Okay. So we have some trivia for this movie. This movie actually made impacts in a lot of strange ways throughout time. Um, that's what I found through trivia. Um, originally, the plan was to make this movie the pilot of the Batman's TV series, but instead it was pushed off because of funding reasons, and they did the first season um, of the show first, and this was released, um, produced and released pretty much between the show's first and second season, so it had already been on for one season. And they, the producers used the larger budget for this movie to introduce a lot of new bat gadgets that they wanted to have, such as the bat boat and the bat communications device and all that other crap. Uh, Cesar Romero, very famously, if you didn't already know this, did not want to shave his mustache throughout the, all the filming of him as the Joker throughout uh, the Batman TV series. So you can see his mustache under his makeup, and it looks ridiculous. <laughs> but that's just the way it was the whole time. Um, uh, yeah, so Julie Newmar at the time was Catwoman in the TV series. And she did not not appear in this film because she had signed on to do this racy comedy called Monsieur Lecoq in the UK. Uh, but by the time she was informed that the movie was going to happen, she couldn't get out of the commitment to the, to do the other movie. And so she was going to be filming it. And at the, apparently that movie was canceled anyway and was never released, never finished. So she missed this movie for nothing. And so we had a uh, merry weather in this movie instead. And here's the interesting one. So this is pro- produced by 20th century Fox back in the day. Okay. Um, which owned the film rights to Batman before DC was purchased by Warner brothers now, ironically, Fox would later release films based on Marvel Comics, such as X-Men, Deadpool, Daredevil, and the Fantastic Four, before both they and Marvel were purchased by Disney. So that makes this film possibly the only DC adaptation currently owned by Disney, which is weird. This movie is the Whoa. only DC movie owned by Disney right at the moment. That's weird, because even at the beginning, uh, in the, the opening credits, it wasn't references DC Comics, it was references Detective Comics. Ah, so it's yeah. different. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so the penguin says to Catwoman, you cowardly kitten, you want to live forever? 
Uh, this is highly similar to the line, Who Wants to Live Forever, spoken by Prince Voltan in Flash Gordon 1980. Both films were written by the same guy, Lorenzo Semple Jr. Uh, the Flash Gordon line later inspired the title of the Queen song, Who Wants to Live Forever, which was featured on the soundtrack of Highlander. <laughs> so I just huh. thought that connection was fun. Uh, this is the only movie with a live-action Joker to not win an Academy Award. So Cesar Romero is the only Joker who did not win Aww. an Academy Award for he his was, role in this he, film. <laughs> I, I think that of the villains, he was the most tolerable. Oh, absolutely. Surprisingly. <laughs> somehow. Somehow he was the most tolerable. So in regards to that shark attack we mentioned in the beginning of the film, uh, Adam West has pointed out how fake the shark looks in the film's most memorable scene. He also notes how unhappy the producers were with, of the sound made when Batman is hitting the shark because it sounds terrible. Like something's hitting a rubber tire, basically. Uh, Adam West says he told them the sound doesn't matter because the shark looks so fake anyway. <laughs> so he's just like, it doesn't matter that it sounds terrible. It looks bad. So it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, that was it was pretty good bad. It was bad. Uh, Adam West points out the device uh, that launched Batman up the bat pole. So at one point he goes up the bat pole with this like a piece yeah, like of a little platform. Yeah, thing. a little platform yeah. that goes upwards and shoots him up. Uh, it didn't always work the way it was p supposed to. And the steam that shot out of that device always caused him pain. And he says it went right up my fucking cape. He says <laughs> that's what his quote was. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, uh, Adam West claims he had to run around with that prop bomb for five hours to film the scene where Batman has to get rid of the smoking bomb. I'm uh, sure. And he says, it's a good thing I was a jock or I don't know if I would have been able to do it. He adds, because it was just a long time Nonstop. carrying around that bomb. Five hours. That's nuts. So, yeah, that's uh, the Batman 1966, folks. We highly recommend it. Uh, for I mean, weird it's worth reasons. one watch at least. Yeah. Never I'd never seen it before, and man, this thing was over the top. <laughs> I'll never watch it again. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that brings me into my bit. Yeah. Well, I'm going to call this Gadgets of Plenty. Ooh. I didn't plan that out before now. <laughs> uh, Batman, known for his crazy gadgets and contraptions. Right. That help with, uh, with fighting crime, among other things. Uh, and he's had some really crazy ones over the years between comics, shows, movies. He's done a lot of stuff. So what I've got is a mix of real Batman gadgets and then ones I just made up. <laughs> and Jarman, you're going to have to tell me which is which. Oh, I see. In gadgets aplenty. So to even the playing field, uh, all of these start with bat. Okay. All right. So, so uh, even if they don't really have bat in them, just to even everything out. Because there's the bat copter and the bat cycle and that kind of stuff. Like everything's bat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So there's ten in total. So ten points on the line. And some of these are real bat things that have been in the comics or in, in comics, movies, the the animated series. Gotcha. Uh, but some of them are just stuff I made up. Okay. It's gonna be hard, man, because we had bat right. bat shark repellent in this movie. <laughs> right. And that's what made me think of this. If there's something that ridiculous, there has to be other stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. Are you ready to play? Gadgets of plenty. I sure am. Bat acid spray. I'm going to go with real. No, that's something I made up. Wow. That seems like very useful for Batman. That's right. Bat belt taser. <sighs> yeah, it's non-lethal. That's yeah, that's that's correct. That's okay. real. All right. I figured that'd be real. 
All right. Uh, bat magnetic batarang. Hmm. That sounds like totally a thing he would have. It is. It is totally a thing he okay, had. Okay, good. All right. Bat bear trap. I'm going to say no. That's right. That's something I made up. Because <laughs> that would be too painful and bloody for him, I think. All right. Bat lie detector. Absolutely. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah, the detective needs that. Bat entangling net. That that seems so useful. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're getting confident. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Bat neon grenade. I'm going to say no. Just let me know what that is. <laughs> uh, should I made up? Should I made up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Bat goo gun. I'm going to say yes. That is correct. It seems silly enough to think you would have. <laughs> Bat electronic mousetrap. No. That is correct. That's when I made up. <laughs> I like your makeups, makeups, though. They're fun. All right. Now, this is the doozy. Ooh. Bat fake vampire teeth. <sighs> yes. That is correct. I don't know it why. In, but... It was in one of the comics where he was trying to convince criminals that he was actually a giant bat. <laughs> Which is funny because I just saw footage today of the Russian film version of the of Batman from the 70s. Mm-hmm. And in their version, he is a vampire bat. And he wow. actually he actually eats people and stuff. <laughs> uh, well, you got eight out of ten. Yeah. Which I think might be like the second best score. Ever. Maybe in the history of play on nerds. The only person that did better was doc was Ian Cohen when we did techno babble or real and he just destroyed it. Oh, he got, he got them all. Yeah. He got all but one. I think right. He got nine out of 10. We did fool him on one of them. We did fool him on one. All right. So that is gadgets of plenty. That was fun times. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend? I do. I recommend pleasant. So just a short little Radical Recommend segment here where I'm going to recommend the show Murderville. Um, have you heard of it, Steve? So uh, we I actually didn't mention this in the weekly update. My parents came to visit and I had a week-long vacation. That's right. <laughs> uh, and we went to the mountains and Ann and I got to watch some stuff at night because they had a nice TV set up. And one of the things we watched was Murderville. Oh, cool. How many episodes did you watch? I think I got through four or five of them. Oh, we only we watched that much yet. But... um. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So basically, people, it's the premise is, if you're in the UK, you might have already seen this show previously. It might have had a different name in the UK. I'm not sure. Because Will Arnett uh, took this concept that was already a show in the UK and made it here, where him and other actors know the premise of the sh- of the show, what's going on, that they're basically trying to, they're detectives trying to solve a murder, but every week he gets a new partner, uh, which is a celebrity guest, who has to improv because they don't know what's going on. They don't know who the murderer is, and they're kind of taken along for this ride with no lines, no dialogue. It's all improv, um, and it's just the hilarity ensues. Uh, the first guest on the show is uh, Conan O'Brien. Uh, then it goes to Marshawn Lynch, who I believe is a football player. I don't follow sports. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, other actors and comedians you'd recognize, uh, Kamal Nanjani and um, someone from Schitt's Creek and... Anyways, I think it's hilarious and very unique of an idea. So on Netflix, check it out, people. It's Murderville. And that's pretty much my medical recommend. 
Yeah, I mean, I I recommend it. It's from an improv point of view, it's really funny. And they really do like murder mystery style in that like there are clues that you as an audience member can look for. Yeah, it's kind of like you can be involved in that way. So in that way, it's engaging. I think what it is suffering from, though, because I found that so engaging, I found it extra annoying when the one the person who did it was the one person I recognized. What do you mean? So so think about like law and order, all those those procedural police or investigation show. It's like, yeah, we got to go interview this guy. Oh, we got to go interview this woman. And they're like, there's three people they interview and two of them are people that you've never seen in anything. And one is, oh, it's that guy from that thing. And that's always the guy who did. it. Oh, that wasn't my was the was the slightly bigger actor. I recognized the um, like in the first episode, not to spoil anything, but there's an one of the other people who wasn't the killer was a much more recognizable to me than the person who ended up being the killer. Huh. See, I just found over and over again, we're like, I didn't have to look for the cute clues. I was just like, all right, they're going to interview three people. And the one that I recognize the most is the one who did it. Oh, I didn't have that problem <laughs> at all. Yeah. Cause I think I recognize more of the actors from different things. So maybe hopefully that's just because you reckon you happen to recognize them from more things than others. Whereas, right. whereas I recognize the things. other actors from more things than others. So whereas like the biggest media actor is the one I knew. <laughs> Right. Uh, but but overall, yeah, absolutely. I'll double recommend Murderville. Nice. Very nice. Well, I guess that brings us to trailer reviews. <laughs> so, Steve, what'd you pick out for us this week? So this week, I've got Jordan Peele's newest adventure coming out in late July, I believe July 22nd, and that's Nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> and... It's hard to tell what it's about at this point just because the trailer we have gives us some indication, but doesn't give us a lot of plot point kind of indication. Even though it's a full-length trailer, yeah, not much. It's a Jordan Peele alien invasion film, from what I can tell. Uh, And if he gives it the same treatment as uh, us... And get out. And get out, I'm very excited. I also love that Glenn from uh, Walking Dead is in it. He's yep, Steven, Steven Yun. Steven yep. Yun, he's he's a fantastic actor, and also Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya, Kaluuya. Yeah, I, I can't get the name right. Anyways, the guy who started Get Out, he's and he's also in Black Panther. He's gonna be uh, in it as well. He seems like he's pretty much the star of the movie again. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, it's about the it's about um, what are they? They're African American Hollywood horse trainers. Yeah, exactly. And they're in some remote mountain with their horses when aliens attack. Which is pretty cool. Which is pretty cool. Um, dark visuals. Clearly, there's going to be some sort of social commentary, just like everything with Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am so excited. All the way to July, I'm, though, huh? I think so. I think it's July 22nd. Yeah. Like, I, I, Us was crazy, but not as rewatchable, I think, as Get Out, but it was still really good. Us was really good. I still, it was like almost harder to watch than Get Out. Um, <laughs> me saying that as a white dude, but, um, but yeah, all his stuff has been great so far. So super excited. Yeah, I mean, talk about somebody who went from being like a comedic actor to an award-winning director. Like I can't think of anybody else that has had the the journey that Jordan Peele has had. It kind of reminds me, but not exactly the same, but of Adam McKay, who basically was a writer for SNL, and he did all those goofy movies, uh, writing with uh, Will Ferrell. Yeah, he's Adam McKay. He's Will Ferrell's like writing partner from the beginning. They've been like best buds forever, and now he's making serious, still funny, but also very serious films. Um, like he did uh, the uh, the Big Short. 
He just did the uh, the one on Netflix about the the world ending. Oh, don't look up. Don't look yeah. up. He did the uh, Dick Cheney movie. But yeah, he's similar kind of thing where it goes from straight comedy to these kind of serious things. But Jordan Peele even made a bigger bigger jump because he was basically just you know a comedic skit writer. Uh, but you know, I, I bet he wrote and directed a lot of those uh, Key and Peele stuff. You know. Oh, absolutely, he did. Yeah. Uh, but to have him go from short form to long form with such success. Yeah, and just, just incredible success between quality. Uh, yeah, um, just astounding. And I'm excited to see what the rest of his career brings. Me too. Hope he goes for a long time. And actually, I really enjoyed his new um, one. He's just producing it, but the the Netflix, not Netflix. I think it's Netflix Twilight Zone series that he did. Oh, uh, maybe Showtime. Oh, Paramount Plus. That's right. Paramount, it's on Paramount Plus? Plus. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have Paramount Plus, check out the new Twilight Zone series. I think he does write and direct like the first and last episode of the seasons, but okay. he just produces the rest of it. But they're really good. They're kind of like Black Mirror esque modern day twilight zone and he's the, he's the rod serling so he introduces each uh thing as it happens he's kind of walks in just like rod serling did back in the day in his suit and nice jordan peele doing that so it's pretty cool but yeah check out the trailer it's not telling us a lot like you said but it, it looks good yeah and i think that about does it for the episode of uh play on nerds yeah i think that brings us to the end of episode 141 Join us again next time for a very special episode 142 that's so special that we don't even know what it is yet. That's right. We'll be seeing you in two weeks for that. Not too long from now. And just as always, we'll keep coming back and being your nerdy co-hosts if you keep coming back and being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. How?